Welcome to the Automation World Get Your Questions Answered podcast, where we connect with industry experts to get the answers you need about industrial automation technologies. I'm David Greenfield, Director of Content for Automation World, and the question we'll be answering in this episode is, how do you effectively implement edge computing? Now, this podcast is sponsored by Stratus Technologies, a supplier of edge computing technology. Now, edge computing is a topic that's been receiving a lot of attention for the past several years now for a variety of reasons, because it brings high levels of data storage and analytics on site, provides security for remote access to equipment, reduces downtime through better equipment insights, and even provides the ability to deploy virtual machines to reduce on-site computing resources and enable operational backup. So with so many capabilities, it's not a surprise that there are a lot of end-user and OEM questions about edge computing technologies. And that's why I'm joined today by Eric Prost, Senior Director of OEM and VAR Programs, and John Vicente, Chief Technology Officer at Stratus Technologies. Now, since so much information is available describing what edge computing is, and you can access plenty of it on the automationworld.com and stratus.com websites, In this episode, we want to focus on the actual implementation of edge computing. So with that, let's start off with some basics, Eric. You know, where should manufacturers and processing companies start when thinking about their potential adoption of edge computing technologies? And by that, I mean, how should they review their equipment and operations to determine where edge computing can provide a benefit? Uh, As with everything, probably developing a strategy is a great place to start here. You can implement these strategies in a number of different ways. They can think about edge computing as part of a large project that they want to do for digital transformation or something that can be done in smaller phases and determine which way they want to go uh, from that perspective. They they should definitely do a cost-benefit analysis and look at the ROI. Uh, They can think about that in terms of what applications they want to run, what goals they want to achieve. They They can pick applications like Uh, thin clients and running HMI software and control software, historians, analytics, cybersecurity. The applications are nearly infinite for what they can do on an edge computer. And so as they think about it in terms of what they, they want to accomplish, then they should think about which areas are the best to go after first if they're going to do it in phases. Um, going after the more high value areas, the faster return areas, and looking at uh, industrial PC clusters that can be replaced with virtualization on an edge computer um, are great places to start. So, so John, can you explain the process of replacing industrial PC clusters with virtualization on an edge computer that Eric mentioned? And, and by that, I mean, you know, how is this done and how does it work in practice? Sure, Dave. The The formal usage or category of activity that uh, Eric was talking about is called workload consolidation. And in simple terms, it's consolidating a larger number of PC or physical assets performing, let's say, a single function or an application. And you're consolidating that to a smaller number of uh, advanced virtualized edge computers or servers. It enables both a reduction of operating costs as well as, well as cap, uh, capital expenditure costs uh, due to 
what is called physical sprawl, essentially requiring greater resources to manage those assets and their life cycle. The concept is, isn't really new. Um, you've seen it in the enterprise cloud and telecommunications industry. It is now just taking a, a greater hold in terms of opportunities within the industrial IoT space. So, Eric, is this process of reviewing equipment and operations something that outside organizations like system integrators or consultants are needed for? Or is this something that can be done pretty easily with in-house operators and engineers? Yeah, it varies. I mean, it depends on the capabilities of their current staff, uh, their overall digital transformation strategy, and the equipment they have to some degree. Different edge computers are developed based on uh, that particular manufacturer's experience, um, their experience with target markets, their understanding of what their particular customers are asking for. In a manufacturing environment, something that was designed with an OT professional in mind can be a big advantage uh, because those environments don't have uh, some of the IT type resources that you might find in different in different verticals or industries. There's a number of really good solution builders and systems integrators out there that can assist in developing their initial strategy for a customer, as well as uh, the initial design. Uh, after that strategy and the goals are determined, they can help them with designing uh, the solution and do that in terms of what the current architecture inside the plant is. Uh, system integrators are really good at recognizing potential pitfalls and strengths within their architecture, and then shaping a solution around that. Um, and so their, their experience working in these industrial environments day in and day out can certainly be something uh, that's leveraged the advantage of the customer. So John, would you say that for most manufacturers, and, and by that, I mean, you know, those without large amounts of edge computing expertise already in-house uh, would you say that it's advisable for them to work with an integrator to be able to get the most benefit? I would. I would say for most manufacturers, but really, as Eric was talking about earlier, you know, they have to look at this as part of their broader digital transformation initiatives. And so be careful in terms of what specific skill sets, in fact, they want to uh, relegate to solution builders or integrators. But at the same time, this is a journey for most of these companies. And it's a, it's a question of what expertise do they really want to bring in house as part of their digital transformation initiative and, and develop those skills and that expertise within their own workforce. So it's a combination of both, but again, really looking at this as a, a broader initiative, I think that's, that's the key point. Understood. Thanks for explaining that. Now, at this early review and assessment stage that we've been talking about here so far, Eric, can any specific operational benefits be reliably determined or projected yet? Yeah, there are uh, in-house tools that many customers have that they use to determine ROI and make decisions on uh, what technology they will deploy. Um, and there's, you know, generalities we can talk about. You know, the typical customer sees this much of an advantage or gain by employing certain applications. Um, and then our company at Stratus, we've developed some tools as well that can help with that type of a projection and positioning using those generalities that we see within industry and within the customers that we've served, um, giving a just a general kind of view of here's your ROI, here's how quickly you can expect to achieve it 
And these are the areas that we believe that it comes from. So can you give an example of how those tools have helped some of your manufacturing or process industry customers? Sure. I mean, we have customers that range from uh, marine applications to pharmaceutical, metal forming, and even oil and gas. So you've got a number of different types there from discrete to process type customers. Um, And, you know, they've leveraged edge computing to decrease maintenance costs, uh, utilizing maybe machine learning um, or the predictive maintenance that might be built into the hardware if it's uh, designed for a manufacturing environment. They do workload consolidation to John's earlier discussion uh, on one of the previous questions. Um, They've taken advantage of on-machine architecture to reduce latency and have really leveraged the OT friendliness of our platform to realize uh, deployment time savings to the degree that they say for each deployment, in other words, each system they put out in the field they can save eight hours, which is the equivalent of a full day um, installing those because of the uh, OT-friendly nature of our hardware. So um, when you think about that, that's you know not just cost savings and time that you don't have to spend out there doing that commissioning and deployment. It's increased production for that end customer of uh, potentially a day or more as well. So Eric, once a user has identified an area or areas uh, in which edge computing could provide a benefit to them, what are the next steps in the deployment process? Yeah, I mean, the the quick answer there is, you know, let's determine if they can do it in-house with the skill sets that they have already, or if they're going to need partners. Um, As part of that strategy, many leading manufacturers have developed even specifications for equipment that allow continued integrations of any integration of any new assets they buy into their current digital environment. And so uh, those specifications can then be passed out to uh, any vendors that are providing uh, equipment that goes into the plant and can be understood by any integrators or firms that are helping work to uh, further develop their strategy for digital transformation. So can you share some insights about the specifications you were just mentioning and how smaller manufacturers in particular can potentially develop this for themselves as part of their edge implementation strategy? Yeah. So um, let's say they pick like one key machine or one area in the, in the plant and they want to improve the OE or that's, you know, a typical goal that we'll see out there. Uh, They could do something like determine what applications they want to do to accomplish that and select maybe a machine learning partner, uh, doing research on the web, talking to a number of different companies at Stratus we have a few uh, partners that we work with that we can suggest and kind of get the wheels turning in for whatever area there might be. And so we'd be happy to have those conversations uh, as they determine how they want to do it and then determine, Hey, can we do it in house as we discussed before, or do we need a partner? And then selecting, you know, like an integrator partner that's got experience in that space and that maybe is familiar with their particular operation uh, is a great next step as well. So, so John, turning back to you here for a moment, you know, considering what we've been discussing here so far today, would you say that edge computing is changing traditional automation and control architectures in any certain ways? Sure, it is. I, if you look at edge computing, I mean, first the the term it's a broad term, um, but the predominant what I would consider the high value usages um, that we're seeing in today's transitional. Um, environment um, is, you know, based on what we've talked about earlier, workload consolidation, leveraging 
you know, virtualization technologies, containerization technologies. It's really not only helping to address the costs, but also offering um, new and innovative ways to approach uh, the automation and control environment. And many of these we, we talk about and have been talking about from the IT or cloud industry. And there's a number of emerging uh, providers that are coming in with solutions like edge analytics or AI, cybersecurity, uh, advancements in service management, um, including fault tolerance, high availability, which you know we're, we're well known for. Um, and of course, there's a broad range of application and system management capabilities really that have evolved um, and matured quite well in the IT industry is starting to come in and creep into the automation control environment in ways we haven't really seen in the enterprise uh, cloud or telecom uh, industries. Now, in the longer term, you know, it's inevitable that control environment, you know, I refer to this as the, the last mile where there's more deterministic or, or safety requ requirements, much more rigorous reliability requirements, you know, eventually we're going to see modern software hardware capabilities start to address things like time critical, safety critical, and related applications. You know, other examples, clearly in the longer term, you know, 5G and artificial intelligence, blockchain, you know, they're going to have a greater effect from a scaling perspective in terms of what's possible with edge computing and the automation and control environment. So, yeah, there's, there's definitely going to be a transition period here. Um, where uh, we can take advantage of what's already available. And then you've got these longer range technologies that are going to be a little bit more disruptive to what we're seeing today in the current architectures. All right. Thanks for explaining that, John. Now, I want to go back, you know, I mentioned in my introduction uh, to this podcast, you know, how edge computing is, is well known for its data aggregation and analytic capabilities. Can you give some examples, Eric, of what's possible through some of the user end-user projects you've worked with? Uh, definitely. That data collection and analytics, as you know, are, are the heart of this digital transformation efforts that are happening at um, almost every customer out there, it, it seems like right now. Uh, these customers want to develop and understand how their production environment's performing versus uh, a benchmark or a golden batch. To do that, they need data from all the, all the relevant parts of the environment, and that can include uh, certainly the edge, but uh, there are maintenance elements that can be involved, consumables that are being utilized throughout the process, energy usage, uh, the full supply chain and timing. Uh, there's even operator variables that can play into these decisions and equations. Um, and each, some, or, and all really of, of what I've mentioned, augmented by augmented by more um, and more being incorporated to these models they have to create so they can compare things and identify the golden batch, but then compare current operating environment to that golden batch. What about from an operations perspective? You know, does edge computing change anything from an operational or engineering standpoint, Eric? Um, yeah, it does. Predictive maintenance, uh, being able to get mobile alerts, mobile monitoring, um, and some in some environments, people even want to do, be able to go in and troubleshoot and, and potentially even uh, change some of the things that are happening in their environment. Um, we don't see that quite as often, but I think people are considering how they can do that in light of restrictions on how many people can be in a plant now and things like that that come along with COVID. Um, getting health alerts and knowing when something's going to fail before it does and having redundancy so that when something does fail, you don't 
have any issues with your production. Um, and it can auto switch over and have hot swap happen of a failed unit. That and identifying bottlenecks throughout the process are all um, big advantages operationally. Okay. Thanks for explaining that, Eric. And you, I just wanted to uh, note here, you mentioned predictive maintenance uh, in your response there. It's been mentioned earlier today as well. And that's still a big leap for a lot of manufacturers, considering that many have only recently begun moving from reactive to proactive maintenance processes. So can you explain more about how edge computing can help manufacturers move ahead into predictive maintenance? Sure. Like in the, in the Stratus platform, for example, we have analytics that are happening that we can see if something's starting to operate outside uh, the parameters that we would like it to. Um, and then we have the redundant setup as well. So you've got this pre- predictive maintenance built into the hardware, but there's also, uh, as I mentioned before, an example of machine learning, there's software out there that can be loaded onto an edge device um, and can begin to identify when things aren't functioning the way that they've historically worked. Um, and, Doing that there on machine really eliminates some latency issues of having to send data that's been either filtered or just raw data to a cloud or a server somewhere, have it crunched, analyzed, um, whatever analytics run on it in software, and then pushed back down to the plant. That takes a lot of time and something can go wrong. And if you've got a latency issue there, you wouldn't know. And you could still have a downtime event despite having something loaded that's you know not there on machine. Um, that being on the asset is key to this pattern pattern rec- recognition and, and the things that need to happen for uh, predictive maintenance to be truly uh, an advantage. All right. Thanks for explaining that, Eric. So you know, I wanted to note here too, you know, terms like redundancy with auto switchover capabilities, hot swap of failed units, bottleneck identification, they've all been mentioned here in our discussion so far today. Uh, but John, can, can you explain these a bit more? Sure, I can. Uh, you know, the, the broader term is high availability. And um, Stratus's fault-tolerant high availability solutions, both our software and hardware-based capabilities, are designed in such a way to not only provide high availability or fault tolerance, but um, it's the important part here is no loss of data. And um, when, when a, in a redundant configuration, when a primary device fails, it switches over to a secondary device and, and that secondary device becomes the primary. With our 24 by seven mo- remote monitoring, the uh, replacement process is essentially autonomous with the replacement device automatically delivered within a couple of days. Now, um, when the primary or the, I'll say the bad primary is replaced, it's a simple hot swap, right? There's no downtime there. And the new replacement device is installed. The switchover happens. It's, it's not only self-recognizable, but also auto-synchronized. And you're back to the same state in that, you know, fully redundant, um, high availability situation that you were in previously. So th- that's really the, the common capabilities that, uh, Stratus is actually well-known for in terms of both fault tolerance and, and high availability. Understood. Now, Eric, you know, back to you, you know, much of what we've talked about here today is from an end user perspective and considering uh, your focus on OEMs and VARs, what about OEMs? Uh, what about these groups? How do the deployment and implementation points we've discussed here today change for OEMs applying edge computing to the equipment they sell? Sure. So many OEMs are 
developing edge and industry 4.0 capabilities and putting it on their equipment today. It's in order to see a benefit for themselves, um, give their end users what they're asking for in those capabilities and, and win more projects and even you know charge a higher premium for their machines. Uh, they're seeing design and deployment gains in time, as we talked about earlier, and they have the ability to provide aftermarket services to their end customers now as well. On that aftermarket service front, we see many end users asking and, and looking to outsource these services, again, in light of COVID, but, is, but also to um, be able to focus on what they're good at versus some of the maintenance and predictive maintenance that's happening out there. Um, as they look to do that outsourcing, these OEMs are uniquely positioned to provide that because they're the experts on their equipment, and they probably commissioned it in the in the user's plant environment as well. Um, so they need to be looking at offerings out there that have either services built in. As an example, at Stratus, when we sell the ZTC, it gives them the ability to take that health monitoring as an example and say, okay, we know that that equipment has something that's going on that could cause an issue uh, in the very near future. We can now tell our end user and charge them a fee so that we can give them that information and keep their OE at a higher level, keep their plant up and running, keep their production higher after we've installed and sold them the machine. So they continue to provide a value there. Those, OE, those end users are looking for that. And as the OEMs build all of this into their machine and consider all of these strategies, they position themselves in a way, if they've got this capability to win significantly more projects against their competitors. So staying on this aftermarket service topic here, you know, one thing we've seen, especially in the past year in light of COVID, there's definitely been a trend toward adoption of more remote access technologies for uh, aftermarket uh, service applications. But in some industry verticals, you know, consumer packaged goods in particular, there's still a lot of resistance to having outside organizations be able to remotely access production equipment, even if it's by the OEM who built it. So given that, John, are there aspects of how edge computing enables remote access for aftermarket service that help make these remote connections more palatable to uh, cautious manufacturers? Uh, sure, there is. Um, you know, first of all, it's, imp it's important that these companies have a cybersecurity model and a strategy in place where they're not only securing their data and their algorithms, but establishing trusted communications and computing capabilities in their environment. And addition, additionally to that, rigorous authentication, access control, and authorization, essentially what's called AAA uh, methods, either in place by their IT or security office or through partner solutions. You know, this, again, this is one of those hot areas, um, specifically edge cybersecurity solutions. There's a lot of companies actually bringing new approaches here to the industrial environment. Specifically with Stratus, we employ a rigorous security development lifecycle process and how we develop our products, right? And that includes uh, platform security, um, host-based firewalls, allowing the users to blacklist or whitelist IP addresses, uh, domain names, protocols, reports. We restrict USB ports to essentially prevent unauthorized access, uh, role-based access control with enhanced password management and active directory integration if, if AD is something you're employing in your environment. Um, of course, all data sent between Stratus devices have to be securely uh, and uh, encrypted 
uh, channels um, between communications from our devices and uh, whatever other sources are accessing our devices. And of course, secure trusted boot ensures that um, at startup, um, we have signed and verified bootloader BIOS device drivers and OS files. So w what we do to secure the device foundationally allows or should provide um, some comfort to the end users in terms of our, de our device security to, uh, you know, essentially make it more pal pal palatable to the, uh, to the manufacturers. So to sum up our discussion here, John, you know, what would you say are the key values that edge computing brings to the manufacturing and processing industries as it relates to industry's digital transformation today? And are there any trends, you know, as a supplier of edge technology, are there any trends you see developing in the near term that might boost those values? Sure. Well, first and foremost, we've talked about lowering costs, uh, obviously improved margins in developing products and goods. In terms of consolidation, we've talked about that. Um, more lean and flexible operations, right? Um, the obvious innovation opportunities that come forward with modern technologies, you know, bringing that into their operations, into their workforce, and that means skill advancements that enable manufacturers to develop their own skills in-house in, in or if they don't deem that um, particular competency valuable, they can outsource to integrators or solution builders where, where, where they see fit, right? So at the end, you know, really this is about customer satisfaction, improving customer satisfaction and um, enabling competitive advantage. When you start to look over the uh, horizon here, let's say beyond COVID, I, you know, I definitely see a lot more cloud to edge and edge to cloud usages coming forward. And that's from uh, the cloud service providers, uh, telcos, I think they're going to start to play a greater role in the transformation at the edge um, from an IT technology perspective. You know, we've talked about virtualization, but software-defined technologies is the broader umbrella. Um, service management, and that's including fault tolerance, systems management, edge analytics. I believe AI will come forward more significantly over the coming next two years. Cybersecurity, as we talked about, and of course, connectivity technologies that sort of bridge the, the IT and um, OT environment uh, protocols such as OPC Way, MQTT, all of these are going to play a leading role in this convergence space. So, so those are the ones I see really um, playing out um, more significantly, I guess, in terms of uh, directions and technologies over the coming year. Interesting. All right. Well, as much as we've seen over the past few years, it sounds like uh, we have a whole lot more to look forward to. So, so thank you for joining me for this podcast, Eric and John. And thanks, of course, to all of our listeners. And please keep watching this space for more installments of Automation World. Get your questions answered. And remember to visit our website at www.automationworld.com to stay on top of the latest industrial automation technology insights, trends, and news.